Welcome to episode 28 of the Golden Balls podcast. We are stuck right in the middle, so we're getting near the business end, the European Championships, Copa America, Gold Cup starting in a couple weeks, but we might be approaching the end of days. A series of circumstances that really none of us can truly believe we're all scared of, but looks like it might be coming true as it might be coming home. It's a lot to process. I don't really know what to think about it. So instead of just trying to figure out myself, I figure I would have someone on to try and make heads and tails of what has gone on so far at the European Championship, a little bit as what it got on the Copa America. I will have a guest. His name, you know him well, is Mike Mastrantuano. He will be on uh, shortly. I'd like to point out that I'm recording this intro after Mike and I have spoken for a good 86 minutes or so. A lot of good stuff in there. I do want to let you know randomly that at one point during the conversation, my phone didn't decide to do a little like 10 second freeze up cutout thing. And it went dead on my end for about 10 seconds. Uh, it did not stay dead on Stroh's end. So there is 10 seconds of him possibly just talking to no one. Uh, so when I cut out for about 10 seconds, that is normal. That is supposed to be there. It is not your phone's problem, but I did want to let you know ahead of time. I'm just going to leave it in there because I don't feel like going in and editing it out. But that is what happened. So after a short break, uh, Stroh and I will discuss just the utter like apocalypse as we know it that is occurring among us. So sit tight and we'll be right back on the Golden Balls podcast. That's great. It starts with an earthquake, birds and snakes, an airplane. Lenny Bruce is not afraid. I have a hurricane. Listen to yourself. Churn world serves its own needs. Dummy serve your own needs. Beat it up and ox speak. Grunt no strength. The ladder starts to clatter with fear. Welcome back. At this time, I have a guest on the show. He is returning for the first time in a little bit. Mike Mastrantuano, you are back on the Golden Balls podcast. How are you doing today? Doing great, Jared. Good to be here. Thanks for having me again. All right. So since we last spoke, or since this podcast last was out, we had a round of 16 of the Euros that had some, uh, mostly some pretty good games. I would say there are only a couple of kind of stinkers in there, a couple of big upsets as well. Uh, it is apparently it is coming home. Um, that is apparently a thing that is still happening. So we're going to talk about the four quarterfinals games, kind of go back to the round of 16 a little bit, talk about golden balls and the nightmare that is falling upon all of our houses as we speak. And at the end, we will, of course, talk about the exciting tournament, uh, Copa America, which is going on. And I do this all uh, on Wednesday afternoon as I am furiously waiting for the United States Gold Cup roster to come out because that's the real premier tournament of the summer. <laughs> okay, so uh, on Friday... July 2nd, our early game, 12 o'clock Eastern, we have Switzerland and Spain playing in St. Petersburg, Russia. And of course, Switzerland involved in, and, and Spain for that matter, involved in the greatest day of Euro soccer probably ever uh, with those two uh, extra time games, 3-3 going into after 90 minutes. Switzerland over France. What did it say you, Stro? Well, yeah, you said probably greatest day in Euro history. I mean, I, I don't know if it's hyperbolic to say the greatest day in, in knockout football history and, and I've tried to become you know less extreme and hyperbolic in, in my my old age uh, but it, it was just unreal I mean the, the two games that we experienced there if you want to start with France and Switzerland I mean it's just <sighs> holy shit uh, yeah what else is there to say I mean the, the, the there were just uh, there were more moments of like ecstasy and depression uh, in in one game 
um, than I've experienced in, in a really long time. Uh, obviously, you know, just from like a footballing perspective, from a neutral, incredible uh, game, uh, from a golden balls perspective, here I am like loving Benzema, two goals in like 90 seconds. And they just, they just throw it away in, in France style. We've heard all this news out of the French camp and this, that, and the other thing. So it's kind of like, you know, you're almost expecting it. Almost as much, Jared, as we all expected Mbappe to miss the, the penalty, I guess. That, right? yeah, well, that was for sure. <laughs> and I will say, again, purely from the football perspective, you know, you have Rodriguez missed the penalty go to nothing, and then Benzema scores twice in two minutes. And you'd bet your life that the game was – like, you couldn't even fathom a way that Switzerland was ever going to win that game, even down two to one. Pogba hits the, you know, a banger and then it's like, it's just over. And of course, as we talked about how similar the France and Spain games were, you know, Pogba in the 75th, Torres in the 77th to go up 3-1. You never think either of those games are going to be competitive again. And sure enough, uh, Switzerland, you know, claws their way back into it by playing very, you know, direct, I guess the, the third goal less so, but, you know, just lobbing balls and trying to get a header on target and trying to get, you know, just to make it dangerous. And Mbappe, who obviously, I, I can't, it's really unexplainable to me how, how many chances he just wasted during the tournament. Because if you play poorly and you never get a chance to score, like that makes sense. Like you can just be like, okay, he was just bad, but to be so good at everything else and then just unable to shoot, like it just, it, it blows my mind for somebody obviously so amazing. Yeah. And, and I guess it just falls under the category of like France going to France or whatever. But, but here, my sense of it though, Jared was like, I felt like it was written on like all over the walls that there was no chance that France are going to blow this. And here's why, because the context of it was this whole like weird three, four, three, right? Everyone's like up in arms about it. You've got Clement Lenglet after like a pedestrian season at Barcelona, like starting for France in a knockout stage game. And, 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 but here's, here's why I'm saying they got away with it. Right. right. It, it wasn't that bad. Okay. They're up by two goals. You know, Deschamps, good on him. Like, he admitted he was wrong. That's, I'll give him credit for that. That is the toughest thing as a manager to do is shift. And especially like in the first half, like while the play is still going to change it, which is basically an admission that he was wrong. But he knows that trying to win the game is more important than, you know, saying that you thought you were right or whatever, or doubling down on a bad decision. So here I am sitting like, they're saying, okay, they got away with it. They've settled in. They're up by two goals. It's like, how on earth can they bottle this away? No, and, and absolutely. And, and I think even to your point about what uh, is that we talk about how France is the most loaded team on the planet, right? They just had so much <laughs> right. talent, so much talent. And then like, but you actually realize that like a couple guys get hurt. And, like, defensively, they obviously weren't that – I mean, they, the defenders didn't play well anyway, but it's like, like, really? We're doing a lot because Koundé got hurt, because Digne's hurt, because – like, and you're like, we're literally, like, one bad, like, ankle away from Kurt Zuma playing in, like, the knockouts of Euros. <laughs> right, and, right. like – and as good as France are, like, they just – they didn't have that necessary depth back there to handle it. None of their defenders, I think, played well over the course of the tournament. Uh, I think Kimbembe was probably the best of the bunch, but that's, you know – not even great. And Rabio's playing left wing back. And I mean, on more than one game, it's just, uh, and like they, they kind of got what they had coming in a weird way as much as they probably deserve to win. Yeah. And, and I don't know if we want to close the loop on it, but it's, it, I, I think it does fit into uh, like a bigger theme of this Euro. And I don't know if it's COVID related. I don't know if it's the condensed season that's accounting for a lot of heavy legs or, you know, heavy minds too. Uh, who knows? Um, but we've seen a lot of these teams who just, I mean, these are, these are world-class professionals that have not been able to close out games, right? And, and like, I expect, 
I expect my rinky dink little like club teams, you know, okay, you know, these, these 16 year old boys are going to bottle away a result every now and again. And you kind of expect that, but here are world-class professionals and we're talking about, right. Spain did it. I'm sure we're going to talk about them next. Right. Uh, uh, the, the Dutch almost bottled away their, their first uh, uh, game against Ukraine. Right. Giving yep. away two towards the end. So you just, you do uh, in uh, you know, uh, you do have to wonder, like, what is behind that? Because I don't think I've ever seen that um, to such an extent in one event. No, and I, and I think that even when teams aren't, I, I think you are seeing a lot of, as you said, tired legs. And I think you're seeing that not only in just blown games, but, you know, we have so we had, you know, three, four games in the round of 16, and of course, many more in the group stage, where you're not even seeing a goal until after, you know, the 65th, 70th minute. You know, you talk about Czech Republic, obviously they're a man up, but it's still, it comes later. Italy, Austria go to extra time, 0-0. England don't get a goal until the 75th minute. So I think you're seeing a lot of these games where, you know, even if teams are playing, you know, a little bit more defensively or cagey, by 65, 70 minutes, you're just seeing, you know, it, it's something is turning off, whether it's mental, physical, combination of the both. And I think that, yeah. you know, and I think moving forward, we're going to see, you know, that we're not going to see the last of either, you know, massive changes in the result late in the game or, you know, or even a first goal, you know, coming in the 85th minute, something like that. We've mentioned Spain several times. Let's talk about their uh, wild 5-3 win over Croatia. Spain, the first team ever to score five goals in two straight Euros matches and doing those two in very, very different ways, of course. Hmm. Uh, I guess we have to start with uh, your favorite topic of the round of 16, that own goal in the 20th minute. Yeah, I'm just so glad that we get to talk about this more, Jared. Uh, it's, it's, uh, first things first, like the second that happened, like I went straight to the bottle. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like I was going to wait, you know, to start to get a white claw, like in the second game or, you know, whatever. But like, I had to go straight to the whiskey for that because I'm no, sitting here, you know, at right fair. And, and because it was like, it was not just the absurd nature of the own goal, like all around. But, like, from a golden balls perspective, it was literally my guy to my guy. And it was like, so no matter what, I'm getting screwed with the own goal in the one of the most bizarre own goals of all time. Now, I, I will say, you know, I, I did get a little hyperbolic in that. I was like, I, this is probably the worst own goal I've ever seen. And then I had a buddy on another thread who's sending me all these, like, YouTube right. clips of, of, of keepers, like, throwing it into their own goal and everything. So, okay, fine. It's not the worst of all time. But, like, I mean, Jared, that was, that was like – rec league stuff well I, I think what was so stunning about it and i it was how quick it was so like I, a couple of weeks ago i remember sharing there was the clip of the, the haitian goalie against canada in the world cup qualifier that just like whiffed on the ball and then like kind of went back and whiffed again but like it was almost like it was slow motion and you see this guy like screwing up and you're like a lot of these own goals are terstig and i think gord brought up against the u.s in that friendly it's like these things tend to happen in slow motion when something like that happens and this happened just so quickly and it was just like you just the balls ping back to the goalie and like before you and like I like myself like I kind of started to put my head down a little bit as I see the ball being played backwards I'm like okay nothing's happening here and before you know it the ball's in the net and well so, right and that's the big thing Jared is that right yeah like even the the camera's panning away yeah right? there's no 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 one's paying attention there's actually a great um, field level camera view from the uh, from the Croatians side like like their keeper looking over that way type of thing and like you can see some of the Croatian players they're already looking at each other like organizing the defense right. you know right. like you pick this guy up or whatever and then they like hear a noise and look over and in their surprise like the ball's in the back of the net it was just like a thing that no one expected to happen it was insane yeah it was it, i mean it certainly if not the worst <laughs> own goal ever it was certainly one of the most like i mean just the most 
absurd just in ter- as I said in terms of exactly what you just said just that quick that quick yeah so now so now we will get in the groups we start the knockout right and we go all right Spain has been very uneven they beat Slovakia who was you know a mess or whatever and even if they beat a Croatia team they should beat France is now waiting and now it's not France anymore and now it's Switzerland waiting and now Spain out of nowhere is the favorite to make the semifinal in this tournament when I mean are I'm not sure they're good yeah, it's well, it's they're just I, I think everything's relative. Right. And Spain especially can't escape the reputation that they have, uh, the golden generation that they had, et cetera, et cetera. And all, all the success that, that um, they had, especially in those three major tournaments in a row. Right. So for, for me, I, I, I think they need to get more credit uh, than what they're getting right now. Yeah. Like it hasn't been pretty Yeah, It hasn't been traditional Spain, but like that generation was insanely special uh, and they, they, they waltzed through um, uh, most of those events because uh, they were just truly um, that special. And, and, and yes, this Spain, look, this Spain is not as good as that team and it doesn't have some of the names that that team had, uh, but it is, it's, it's a good team. I think it's a great team actually. Um, and Jared, if you look at the, I don't know how deep into the weeds we want to get with like the stats and the XG and everything they produce so many opportunities and I think they get a bad rap for the possession, right? Oh, it's just a thousand passes leading to nothing. No, their XG in every game is like almost three goals. That's insane, dude. So like, and especially again, as a coach who, who says like the game is beautiful. Sometimes she giveth, sometimes she taketh away and it can either they go in or they don't, right? It's all about just putting yourself in the best position to have those opportunities and again sometimes they go in sometimes they don't you know we'll talk about the germany again like Mueller probably scores that a million times out of a million and one right except it just didn't go in that time and i think for spain poor them they've just not had the goals go in and let's not even talk about the fucking penalties for god's sakes (laughs) right they just miss every penalty so i to tie the loop on that one and we can keep going on but like it's to me spain's good and they're creating a lot of chances and i think they'll score more goals and make it to the semis but all right, let me push back a little bit because I agree with just about everything you say, except, you know, I look at Spain and I'm like, I think that we would say that for a lot of people that if they were the coach of that team, there would be several different players. You know, it's not even like the squad is bad. It's not like for 123, they're not bad. It's just like, are they really starting the best 11 guys that they have? Like, why are we like, and I, and I guess they've won two games with them, but like, they're not like, is Busquets really like, this is what you want to do against like Belgium or Italy? Or like, like, and I know Murata scored the game winner the other night, and he had like it was a nice strike and everything else. But like, are, like, are we really? Is that what we're like when you have all these guys on the bench that seem to come in and make an impact? And you know, Olmo comes in and has a couple assists. And I understand like wingers versus center, but like, it just seems to me that they're leaving. They're it's like they're they're playing okay and they're getting results, but they're leaving them out on the table at the same time. Yeah, look, I'm with you on on the Busquets versus Rodri thing, 100. percent I mean, Busquets actually he looks. Like he's moving in slow motion out there. Like yeah. I, I just, it, it's like him and Kane for some reason they just, they're just like It looks like they're 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 carrying an injury or just long term fatigue or whatever with them. So I agree with you on that, Rodri. The 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 wingers, you know, rotate them or whatever. I did like Moreno coming in. You know, Omo Arzarbel and and Sarabia. You know, just like six of one, half a dozen the other. I feel like they they can all be pretty effective. So I'm fine with the rotation there. 
but but yeah, the, the, the Busquets versus Roger thing, and maybe on a Golden Balls perspective, like I don't know why they took Pau Torres out and Eric Garcia, who's played like 150 <laughs> for Man City this year. That was a weird one to me on a Golden Balls end of no, the perspective. It's... But but yeah, they, they're putting out some weird lineups and maybe winning despite that or whatever. But still, the chances are the chances they're getting. Yeah, them. No, I, and I guess I guess we're in agreement when it comes. To, I just feel like they're. I feel like in a weird way they're underachieving and overachieving at the same time. Because... Uh, okay, I'm down with that. Yeah, I'm down with that. Uh, so we we both think that Spain kind of defeats Switzerland on this one. Yeah, but yeah, uh, but again, these things will all be I wrong. Mean, we'll, no, no, like, <laughs> everyone's going to check the like, receipts no, when Switzerland win two nothing. It's like <laughs> there is a caveat that we like all all you know all predictions wrong or your money back. But it, you yeah. know, I think Spain is the favorite here. And, you know, if you're putting money on it, I'm still putting money on Spain to get through this one. Uh, you're right. Yes, if I had to put money on it, I would go with Spain. All right, and, I hope, on, and I hope so, too, because of my golden balls. <laughs> right. And uh, later on on July 2nd, uh, the 3 p.m. Eastern time game, we got the marquee tie of the round. We got Belgium and Italy playing in Munich. Uh, we got Italy, again, taking the long road uh, against Austria, winning 2-1 in extra time. We have Belgium making their one shot on target count to win one nothing against Portugal. But, of course, losing two, uh, but probably, I mean, for at least for Friday and, and perhaps beyond that, losing two key members of the side in that win against Portugal, uh, the, what, two of the three teams that are 4-0. So what happens here? Yeah, great question. I mean, like, I, I can do all my uh, Nostradamus stuff for, for the actual quarterfinals game, but I, I can't comment at all, Jared, on uh, the round of 16 games. Uh, for those uh, who don't know, I was actually in Kentucky this past weekend, and yes. uh, I only caught – uh, about 30 minutes of the Italy and Austria game before we had to go into the actual ceremony uh, of it. So had it streaming, saw a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, Belgium and Portugal, I planned on on watching on my phone on, on the way home, but uh, GPS took us through literally bumblefuck West Virginia, and I came out of it. Uh, I finally got data service in like the 80th minute. So uh, that's that's all I saw. So I'll, I'll defer that to you. Uh, I don't know if you want to start there. Well, yeah, no, I mean, so... I think that actually, I think Italy actually played pretty well against Austria. I think Austria was better than I think most people thought they were going to be. And I know that's not completely objective on my end because I, you know, I, well, I think it is objective because I thought Austria would be okay. And that's why I took their players, but I thought Austria played really well and Austria had Italy on the ropes for a while. And I think when you look at something like, oh, well, Austria had Italy on the ropes, Italy must not play that well. I don't think that's the case. I, you know, obviously I think they still defended pretty well. Um, I think they still got a couple of chances. Uh, Immobile hit the bar in the first half on one that would have been a goal of the tournament candidate that, I mean, just completely beat Bachman, you know, and just got unlucky. I think that Chiesa kindly, finally came through. And I think that after not knowing if Chiesa was ever going to be able to get in over Berardi, I think that we're going to see Chiesa start uh, against Belgium. I think that he came in, obviously was dangerous, got a, had one shot saved, then scored the goal, of course, and was dangerous all around. Belgium as a problem, right? Because we saw what happened in the first 135 minutes before De Bruyne came on. Um, you know, they beat Russia handily, but Russia was so poor and, and they really weren't doing much against Denmark. And De Bruyne comes in and changes everything and then they look really good and now he's hurt again. And again, they had one shot against Portugal and they did some things at the end of that game that were just, as a coach, you would pull your hair out. Yeah, can inability. you go into more detail? Like, because well, again, I didn't see any yeah, of it. So, I mean, just like for even late in the game, for example, in stoppage time, like they kind of have a break. They're trying to kill the game, and instead of you know taking the ball in the corner or playing safe, I think it was Tielemans, I think 
that tried playing like a got way too cute, passed a ball that he shouldn't ever pass, and then all of a sudden it was going the other way, and a ball either maybe nicked the post or was slightly wide that Portugal had a chance to equalize late in the game. They just didn't mm. handle the end of the game very well. Um, again, one shot on target. Now, it was a great one, a great goal, but you're not beating Italy with one shot on target, right? Like, that's not a thing that's going to happen. Uh, Italy was tested. I think Italy played pretty well. They still defended well. Got beat on a set piece. It happens. But, you know, to me, Italy is still the favorite here. Uh, Belgium, of course, is dangerous, and, and you could never say they, they can't win, but Belgium was just not impressive to me. And they're starting three defenders, I believe, as you said, who are combined over 100 years old. <laughs> yeah, that, that's stunning to me. The Vermalen thing is just like, they, well, it's uh, actually mind-blowing to me. Why, why did he get the start in that game? I'm not really sure, but all like the only thing I can think of is that because in, in Belgium's first match against Russia, when they were facing Zuba, they put in uh, Boyata, right, who wasn't supposed to necessarily start. But and taller, I think they, right? A taller, bigger, yeah, like yeah. a bigger guy to fight the big guy. So I'm wondering if they figured, and and you know, uh, Denayer is also a little bit bigger as well. So I'm wondering if against Portugal they decided to go with their quote unquote smaller, more nimble. Though I don't know how you can consider Vermeil in any of those. How is he nimble? Um, no, I don't. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think he is. I'm trying to justify something that yeah. I can't figure out. <laughs> I I say that to say that against. Ronald Lukaku, they're not starting from They're going to start. They're going to have to start either Boyata or Denayer to fight. Because, again, that's the logic that they've kind of, I think, been going with. So yeah. I don't think we're going to see Vermeil in here. Um, it, I mean, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I just – Yeah, with, be, if we're talking Belgium-Italy now, like for me, like a Belgium I, – I still – they're a good side, but they're a much different side – you know, with, with a KDB and Hazard versus a, uh, you know, right. Tielemans Witzel with a, with a Carrasco, you know, in front of them type of thing. Like, it's, it's just going to be a totally different game. And I think Italy, if they do have, uh, I think they have all their players at their disposal. I agree with you. And not even from a golden balls perspective. I know I have Chiesa, but it I, should be Chiesa. He, absolutely. It, 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 it really should. It should be him. And I think Mancini's good enough manager to to do that. So you just have to say Italy are the favorites in that one. All right, let's move over to Sunday, the uh, the underdog special. We got the Czech Republic uh, playing Denmark and Azerbaijan, as one does. Uh, the Czech Republic gets their 2 nothing win over the Netherlands, up a man. Denmark, of course, uh, you know, in class in the first game of the round of 16, continues their run with a 4 nothing spanking on Wales. Of course, they're the, uh, you know, the neutral fans kind of kind of team of destiny here. And, you know, you get to the quarterfinals after losing your first two games. You get to face the Czech Republic. Can't get much better than that if you're Denmark. Exactly, Jared. Well, and for the neutral fan, because, you know, when you think Euro, there's nothing more uh, appealing and nothing more that you would have wanted uh, more than a game between Denmark and the Czech Republic in Baku. I I think that's that's like the the pinnacle of (laughs) Euro. It's unbelievable. But, yeah, no, to your point, I mean, look, yeah, Denmark, Team of Destiny. There's, I, I wouldn't want to play them. Uh, I, I don't. I don't care what their personnel is. I. I, I am a big believer uh, in those intangibles, in the team spirit, in the, uh, you know, even if it's superstition or whatever. Um, but yeah, the Czech Republic, you know, played well. They're just they're just a, a difficult team uh, to play against, as they proved in the the game against the Dutch. Yeah, and, and I think that in any other year, I think this would be the match that everyone looks at and goes, ah, all right, whatever. But I think that that Denmark thing kind of does have, you know, draw that general interest back in. They're rolling. But again, yeah, Czech Republic's playing really well. They lost 
you know, they lost to England uh, in the group stage kind of close or whatever. You know, they didn't get a lot going there, but they played decently well against uh, Croatia. They obviously beat Scotland, even though they didn't look great. I mean, I think the best they looked all tournament was against the Netherlands. So I guess if you mm-hmm. want to go into the peaking at the right time argument, um, because again, even before the red card, the Dutch did not have a shot on target in that match. Right. And I know Malin should have probably done something with that breakaway. And it's not like they didn't give up a chance. Um, whether or not Malin fouled the center back before that to be argued, I suppose. But they still did what they had to do. Schick is, of course, a menace. But Denmark has some big boys in the back. So it's, you know, it's, it's not going to, he's not going to be climbing over anybody uh, like he has previously in the tournament. So it's going to maybe have to come a little bit different way. I, I, this could go either way for me, certainly. Um, but, you know, my heart just says you got to pick Denmark to get at least one more win here, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I am going Denmark. Um, and, and yeah, credit to the Czechs. Uh, I, I would say that if, if, you look, if you watch that game against the Dutch in a vacuum, right, forget about all the noise about De Boer and, the, and, and his system and, you know, the red card, obviously. Even if you look at the game, just the first 60 minutes, uh, the Czechs were better. And you would say that they probably deserve uh, the result. Uh, the Dutch have been cool to watch, though. I mean, Memphis Depay, good on them. I, I'm excited to uh, see him at Barcelona. Uh, right uh, upcoming and um, it was a weird one you know the the uh, because you know what did Klinsman say you know national teams are a reflection of the culture uh, the identity of a nation and DeBoer just kind of said fuck that <laughs> like you and know the best part, and the best part is DeBoer's own brother the whole time being like this is like the worst thing that's ever happened in this country like this is by far like his own brother's like this guy like my brother's trash like he doesn't know what the hell he's doing and like, I mean, that is the reflection and that is the reflection of the culture, actually, is everyone in the Netherlands being like, this guy's a dumbass. Like, what is he doing? Yeah. And, and the Athletic had a good article today about uh, a lot of the higher ups in, in the Dutch FA, the KNVB or whatever. And uh, they're just like, we would actually rather lose in the semifinals and pe- people say that we played our way and well than, you know, pragmatically uh, make our way to the final and like gut out, you know, a, a nil-nil draw and penalties. Like they, uh, they would, they would actually rather play the way that they want to play than win things. The old Brazil 2002 argument, which was, of course, the last time Brazil won a World Cup, and that's what all they said. They said we don't want to play like this, and oh. I guess, and I guess they've gotten their way. And I, you know, but again, with a new coach, I mean, we'll have to see who it is. But Netherlands are definitely a team that we you can look at next year in the World Cup. And again, another year with Depay and Wijnaldum and all these guys, they're still pretty young. And, and so they'll definitely be back, but hopefully for their sake, well, obviously for their sake with a better, with a better coach. Yeah. Yeah. And, and real quick, one last point on that. I, I, I do think Delict is obviously world-class tier one defender. Um, it, it just fits back into that narrative of just like these world-class professionals, like what are they doing? Like there have just was... been some some crazy moments, like right there. What is it that possesses him? What is the thought that is occupying his head at that moment to do that? I I, I don't know. And the amazing part, that's what. And again, like much like the Spain old goal, that was one where like like live, I saw it and I was like, that doesn't like I I didn't wasn't sure, but I was like, that doesn't look right. Like there's something about that did not look right. And then when I saw the first replay, and I saw him actually grab. I, I still didn't almost believe it. I was like, I was like, my eye, like my eyes. There's no way he just like literally just grabbed the ball like that. Like, what? To your point, what would possess him to do that? And like, it really took two or three, you know, viewings for me to actually like be like, wait, no, he just did grab that, and that is probably like, and that was like that has to be a red card, right? Like, it just didn't make. I, 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 I can't. I literally days later, I don't even know how to put it into words. Like, literally, what was going through my head because I just I couldn't believe it made no sense. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, right, and and so that one to to bring it back to my like crazy like streaming adventure of trying to watch these games. That was actually before I got to Bumblefuck West Virginia. I was able to stream that one, but I'm watching on my tiny little iPhone right. screen. So like, I just thought, okay, fine, yellow card, like last man back. He like you know fell over and kind of like ran into him, you know, type of thing. And then finally, I do get the replays, and you just see the distinct motion of him like just fucking grabbing the ball. It's <laughs> It's like the thing, you know, you know, a lot of players do that, like in midfield, they're dribbling, yeah, get, they get, get fouled, fouled, and then they, they pull it into their body, like, come on, ref, this is bullshit, you know, that type of thing. That was the movement that he made, except he was the center back, <laughs> you know, last man back on the team defending for it. I'm just like, what the fuck did he just do? And why did he do it? It was just, it was so bizarre to me. Yeah, no, I, I, it's funny you say it, but somebody else, I'm trying to remember which game it was, somebody in the, it, I think it was the Euros, it could have been. Copa, but it was actually just that. Somebody got booked for that as an attacking player right outside the other team's box where he got, like, he thought he was fouled and he went to the ground and whatever and, like, just kind of grabbed the ball and just was, like, he got a yellow card for, like, essentially the intentional handball, but it was, as you said, it was an attacking yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> an, an attacking motion. It was just like, okay, well, all right, that, you know, whatever. And, yeah, as you said, it's just, uh, you, get, you get what you get, right? Like, you, you make stupid play, you you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes, and DeWitt wins the stupid game of the uh, of the round award. Yeah, yeah, that was a wild one. Um, um, Wales, Denmark right. as well, real quick. I, again, one-way traffic. I, you know, uh, they scored early. Um, Wales had a chance or two, maybe kind of half chance. I think Bale sizzled one wide. But, you know, that second goal, right, beginning of the second half, I think Wales is uh, – is, is fair for them to feel hard done by about a foul not being called in the midfield. That said, you cannot clear a ball from the center of your penalty area right to the attacker in front of the net. Um, and so, you know, Wales did not deserve to win on the day. And uh, I don't think they were impressive at all throughout the tournament. I think they were able to scrape through because it's 24 to 16. And, but, you know, I, well, I guess they technically might have even finished second in the group, but still, it, mm. it just not, I mean, it wasn't close. And I yeah, think for, that obviously for me, it was... in the score. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, you know, look, uh, I do think the Welsh were hard done by on, on a couple of moments in the game, but they, they could have done so much better. And, and I, I mean, even with my, you know, history with, with Wales and, and Welsh people, uh, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, it's, it, it was kind of encouraging to me, though, this time around that I really did feel like it wasn't a fluke, right? It wasn't just like, you know, Bale and Ramsey plus nine. It didn't feel like, you know, they were just this, that, or the other thing. It, it, it actually felt like this was a, a solid team, like top to bottom. And, and they were well organized. And they were actually an, a kind of an enjoyable team to watch at times. Um, so I had higher hopes and aspirations for them. Uh, but they, they really disappointed in this game, if I'm being honest. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and I think that can, compared to 2016, I think this team might have been a little bit more solid defensively. But I think if you look at the one game they won in the tournament against Turkey, but what was it? It was Bale to Ramsey, and Ramsey had five chances. In yeah, fair play. <laughs> so I think at the end of the day, like they still, you know, they still need a center forward, uh, or yeah. a reliable center forward. Um, and but I do think they were a little bit better defensively. I know they got caught late against Denmark, and the two goals late make it look a lot worse than it is. But uh, they still, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I, I guess they're probably they were more fun to watch. I, I would definitely say that because I thought in 2016 they were absolutely like you were just hoping for one guy to be or two guys as you said be magical. I think this time they had a little bit more 
build up play and ideas, but still, they just, they are still far too many pieces, even short of in Denmark. Like if you just look at, you know, line up to line up aside from Bale and Ramsey, you know, it's like the, the, if you take Denmark's two best guys in that game out of the, you know, out of the picture, you're still taking the other Denmark nine guys over the other Welsh nine guys every day of the week. So and that's Denmark. Like we're not even getting to, you know, the Netherlands or Belgium. So, well, well yeah, but Jared, Denmark, we're also missing one of their best guys, like Paulson. Right. What was well, no, well, Paulson? You know? And of course, right. So I'm saying, my point is, is that even if you said whoever the two best Danish guys in that team in that on that day are, like you still oh, think well, I got you. my yeah. point is that Bale and Ramsey are better than those two guys. But like from three to 11, Denmark is still, you know, talent wise, like far ahead of where Wales is. And yeah. again, Denmark's still a second level team. So Wales still need to get, you know, they need to find the three or four dudes that are English with Welsh heritage or Welsh guys that have English heritage. And they you know, like much like Scotland, right? You need a few of these guys to actually like, you know, come to you and not be, you know, not be the next guy in Greenwich is Irish, but you know, the point remains, right. Where you need some of these guys that are, that could go either way to actually play for you and have, more than two or three or four, you know, legit players. You need to at least have, you know, seven or eight so you can be even where Denmark is. Yeah, it's a good shot. All right, last game of the round, uh, July 3rd. Uh, so it'll be Saturday in the late game in Rome. We have Ukraine and England. Uh, of course, these are the two teams that were the last to qualify for the quarterfinals yesterday at the time recording. Uh I actually want to talk about England first here because in a weird way, I think Ukraine and Sweden is more interesting to talk about. England wins two nothing. Um, and I have a lot of thoughts about this in the sense that I still don't think England has ever in this tournament played very well. Obviously they are where they are. And I have two thoughts about that, but I will let you go first. Yeah. For England, Germany, I, the, the, you know, thinking about, uh, thinking about it this morning as I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this podcast with Jared later. I know like it's going to be uh, a big shout on, on England, Germany. And the thought that just kept coming like back to my head is I feel like the whole England is a meme, right? But there's also like a response to the meme almost like the whole it's coming home and, and their inflated sense of self and even the arrogance that comes along with like English football, like has become a meme at this point in the form of it's coming home and everything. But then I also think the reaction is almost unified also. And people want to sort of like counterbalance that by saying like England or shit. Oh, they were way too conservative, way too negative or whatever. I gotta be honest. I think England are just fine. Like, I, I don't think they're the best team per se, like in the tournament. Uh, but I think they have a really good uh, set of players. Uh, I th- actually think Southgate, while not the best manager in the world, might deserve a little bit more credit than he gets. Um, and I think they did go out with the correct game plan in this. Uh, and, 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 and good on them for winning. I don't know. I, I, I was fine with England. I, I, again, my issue is not even so much with the game plan, though. I, I thought it was... I think, you know, I think there is something to be said for the fact that it seems small time when you're England playing at home and you're playing that defensively. But again, you got to beat the guy in front of you. And whether you win that way or not, like, hey, look, you got to win the game. And they'd rather yeah, rather be where they are than where Germany is, say, to be fair. The problem, and they're getting away with it because I don't think they've played anybody very good yet. And of course, I don't think they're going to be playing anybody very good in the quarterfinals. So, you know, well on them. But, you know, I feel like they should have lost this game three to one. And Germany had... I believe three or four shots on target. I think they had three shots on target and then the Muir play, which of course was not on target. And two of the shots on target, you know, you have Werner's chance in the early in the second half 
which, you know, talk about memes, right? Timo Werner is, you know, is the yeah, Spanish. You, you didn't think Timo was going to score. No, <laughs> no, but, but the point, and like, but that's what's so like, you know, you, you know, if, if that's Lukaku or Ronaldo or dare I say Harry Kane or Benzema or like whatever, like that ball's in the net. And then you have the Havertz chance. I believe that was still in the first half. That was a, that was a masterful. I mean, he hit it absolutely flush, but just so happened to hit it straight at Pickford. And if that ball's, you know, three inches either way, that's a goal. And of course the Mueller shot. And so England defends well, they're limiting the number of chances, but it seems like most of the chances they give up are prime chances. Yeah, I, I get it, Jared. And sorry to, you know, stack geek you on this one, but did, did you see what the XG was on that? No, I, I on the it, for the game for England Germany. I'm sure England probably had more. No, no, but... and, and that's no, why didn't. I, neither did. It was almost identical. Okay. In, England's XG one point three one, one point two eight. So he, okay. I, 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 I thought if you're asking, and and this is before I, I literally just looked it up right now. So I okay. didn't even know this going into it, but I would have said a fair result would have been probably one, one and then PKs. And then obviously England lose. Right. And, and Germany goes right. through. Right. But, but I, I um, the only reason I'm saying this is to push back on your three to one Germany. Uh, I, I'm going to go it, the same. You probably could have said the same about England. I bet oh, from possible. another perspective, three, one England. You know, no, that's, so... that's fair. I just, I just the way, like when, uh, just my, even before the, you know, even before the goals were scored, when I was watching the game for the first say seventy five minutes, like I thought Germany looked better. I, I, I thought they were more dangerous. Uh, I thought that, you know, I, I didn't, I don't even know how to, like I, I obviously the the goals came kind of the same way, kind of those balls in from the left or whatever, and, and, and into Sterling and Kane. I just, I, it made a lot more sense for me to see where Germany was going to break England down and have a chance like Werner's chance that wasn't going to be Werner, right? That, like, essentially what Mueller's chance ended up being, which is, again, the most stunning, you know, one of the most stunning things we saw, just because, I mean, you saw that, so when you talk about things that happened in slow motion, as soon as Sterling turned that ball over, you could see five seconds later exactly where, what was going to happen. And as you said, you'd bet everything that Mueller was going to put that away. And, and you really, I mean, but yeah, that, that was a wild one. And I do feel bad for the guy, right? Obviously called back up and burying the hatchet and all that stuff. And then he misses that one, man. Isn't that Fuck weird, though? Like, right? like, him and Hummel's out for the, you know, in the cold for that long. And the two biggest mistakes, arguably, they make the entire tournament of those two guys. Hummel's own goal. Hummel's own goal. M- that. Yeah, Mueller miss. Uh, it's brutal, man. It's but, brutal. Uh, but, you know, I can't, as I said, I thought Germany were a little bit better, but you can't complain with England winning. I, I don't think it was unjust that they won. I just thought that they were a little bit worse on the day. But they, you know. They 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 made they took their chances. Even Harry Kane took a chance finally. Uh, as awkward as that looked, um, after so, like I would love to see his fucking heat map. Like yeah. he finally like, started running once Grealish came on. And actually, that that's something that might be fun to talk about. Like, is is that his sort of like protest against not having a Grealish or not having a mount in the side? You know, he's like, why why would I run for stuff if these creative players aren't going to be in? No, and I, and I think that's a uh, – it, it'd be interesting. Obviously, he's done a little bit of that for Spurs, which, again, probably comes back to the same exact reasoning. You know, you get rid of a guy like Christian Eriksen, who, you know, is in the, mid, in the middle of midfield that can orchestrate a lot of things, and now, you know, there's nobody there that's doing that, and so now he's doing it. And So, I mean, I think there could be something to that, but I, I, maybe he's just exasperated. Maybe he's just, you know, he's trying to – the game's not coming to him, so he figures he's going to go chase it. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But um, so- anyways, yeah, for me, for England, I, I, I look, I, I'm a defensive coach, defense first, at least. I'm, I'm not parking the bus type of thing. Uh, but, but for me, the first piece of the puzzle is the defensive piece. And then you, you, that's the foundation. And then you build on that. And I think England have created a real uh, strong foundation. Uh, I, I had a vested interest in this. I did want, you know, Germany to lose for a number of reasons. Um, and every time that they pressed, every time that they moved forward, Jared, I, was, I wasn't troubled. I, I never felt like England were in danger, that maybe like one or two dodgy moments. Uh, for me, but but I, I don't know. I think England have got it right. I think they got it right. Now, I don't think they're going to get it right in the next round uh, for a number well, of reasons as well. But I, I have a feeling we're going to be on the same page with that. I will be interested to talk about that in a minute. The last thing I want to say before we talk about uh, Ukraine a little bit is yes, that sir. we always knew that when they announced that this tournament was going to be pan-European and you know, like all this, and it was going to be a festival of European, forgetting the pandemic part, even when they first announced it. We knew that, generally speaking, there was going to be a, a general, like a, a somewhat a level of unfairness about this whole thing, right? Mm. And and I think during the group stage, I knew it was happening, but I figure, but in my mind, I justify like, hey, look, it's twenty four to sixteen. Even a team that got a rough road, if they're good enough, can can sustain itself or whatever. But like, I look at England, right? And England has been marched, sitting in their camp since God knows what date. Their first game of the Euros was on June thirteenth. They played friendlies before that, probably I assume in London or whatever. And they have all been sitting there for now going on a month, not moving, yeah, resting and everything else. Belgium, on the other hand, had a camp wherever they had their camp, which I don't even know. They had to fly to Russia to play Russia. Then they had to fly to Denmark to play Denmark. Then they had to fly back to Russia to play Finland. Then for the round of 16, they had to fly to Spain. Seville. Yeah. To Seville to play Portugal. And now, and now they're flying to Munich. And then if they win, <laughs> then they get to go to, back to London. Now, it's, it's truly unbelievable. Like the Welsh, same thing. They had like two games in Baku. Then their right. fans weren't allowed to come. Yeah, it, there's been a huge disparity with that and, type of stuff. And I think the people, someone that would push back would say, well, in the normal thing, it's hosted by somebody and they have the advantage, like England has an advantage. I'm like, and that's fine. Except that at least the other countries at least get to stay more or less in one place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, and this is, ins- and this is insane. And I'm like, I'm not the, I'm really not like the throw an asterisk on it kind of guy. But like you like you really have to ask yourself, is England gonna win this thing because by and large they are gonna take two flights the entire time where these other teams might have six or seven? Well, I, I yeah, maybe not an asterisk, but it, it definitely uh, jades it a little bit uh, be, because right, what's the only other trophy that they would have won was the World Cup when it was hosted by England. England. And, then, and then you have to kind of say to yourself like, can they only win when they have the support? Which is why, to bring it back to my comment, just like right before, and we can talk about Sweden and Ukraine because that was a good game too. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I think Ukraine's going to beat them because England will almost have blown their load against Germany. Now they do have to travel for the first time. And by the way, uh, the UK and Italy have an amber alert against each other. So there, there will be no English fans there. And, well, and I think that was a huge support for them. So I wonder if actually they'll lose this game. Well, so the, so I I will say this about you know Ukraine two Sweden one after extra time. The only thing I will say about this is that game was played in Glasgow, which means whatever flight England's taking, you can take that exact same thing for Ukraine and yeah. add six hours and three hours of a flight or two hours of a flight. So in that sense, you know whatever. But um, Ukraine, it was what I find interesting is that Sweden and obviously Sweden and England are not similar teams. 
But I think that the way Ukraine played against Sweden is very instructive in what's going to happen. And of course, I don't know that Ukraine wins this game without the man advantage. I think that probably goes to penalties and then who knows. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Sweden, Sweden controlled the ball, uh, had a lot of possession. Ukraine let them have a lot of possession, defended pretty well, hit on a, you know, hit on a, against the run of play a little bit in the first half and obviously got the goal late. But what I kind of, what I realized is that, you know, Izak for Sweden, I thought was fantastic in the group stage. He gave Spain fits. He was very active again in the other two games against Poland and against Slovakia. He never scored, but he was there. Ukraine like kind of shut him down. Mm. And what Izak, what Izak does or did a lot, especially yesterday, but a little bit in the other games too, is he did exactly what we talked about with Harry Kane. He kept kind of dropping deeper and deeper to try and get on the ball, to try and make something happen, to play a little one-two with Forsberg or with, you know, Olsen or Ekdal or whoever was in midfield. He was dropping way deep. And when Ukraine just kind of let him run, you know, let him do his thing and just kind of stood back. And then when he came back, they just kind of marked him. And I feel like Ukraine's going to play the exact same way against England, against Kane, and just let Kane do his thing and like focus on the wingers, et cetera, et cetera. But again, I think when I, when we look at England, England have, England played better against better teams. They can't break. They're having trouble breaking Scotland down. They're getting no chances on Croatia. They're getting very few chances on the Czech Republic. They get oh, a couple yeah. more against Germany, who actually plays against them. Ukraine's going to give them 70% of the ball. So now we're back to like the England-Scotland. Like, all right, England's going to have 70% of the ball. Can they break them down? And then the doubts start creeping in. And even though, again, they won't have the fans there because the restlessness of of English fans, I think, does really bring the, the players down on the field. So they, they, they won't have to deal with that or whatever. But but they also won't have those supporters to, to lift them up uh, in, in some moments. And, and yeah, I'm with you. I, I think they're going to get super frustrated against Ukraine. Uh, I, that has, to me, penalties written all over it or, or maybe even a late Ukrainian goal. Credit to Shevchenko. Look, I'm going to say... Well coached. Yeah, super well coached. He's now taken this team not only to its first, you know, knockout stage game, correct me if I'm wrong, right, but now the first quarterfinals for Ukraine ever. I think it is, yeah. For the year, yeah. And that's super cool because uh, it's, it's just a group of... Uh, you know, just Ukrainian nationals, you know, guys who play in the domestic league uh, for the most part, a couple of dudes, you know, uh, on the continent. Um, but, but, but yeah, he's organized them well. He's obviously a legend, not just in, in Ukraine, but for, you know, the rest of the world. Uh, and, and I think he's done a great job with them and, and good on him. And actually, you know what, I, I'd probably pick Ukraine over England if I had to bet. So I, I don't know that I'm going to go that far. I think England will probably – I think England will do what they've done in this tournament and win in, like, the 75th minute kind of deal, like the very similar kind of Germany or uh, – was it – who did they score against late? Was it the Czechs, I think, they scored late against? No, they scored early against the Czechs. Uh, I guess kind of late against Croatia in the second half. So I think mm. it's going to be that kind of thing. I think England will eventually get there. Um, but I think – I think, as you said, I think there's going to be a lot of – Wow, England just went to battle with Germany, and now it's only Ukraine. And I think Ukraine is going to make that a very, very, very difficult uh, job for them. For them, yeah. But you know, England again. I, I'd like to. I, I, I'm always going to say quality wins out. Of course, I know that's never going to be 100 percent accurate, but I don't know. It's it, England's going to win just to spite me. Actually, really is what it comes down to. <laughs> well, and if we're, I don't know. Maybe this is a good segue into yeah, the golden the, ball portion of it, right? It's it's. I have. I am the biggest fucking Ukrainian fan on the right. planet uh, no, in a I, couple of days' time. So, <laughs> I, Yeah, I think we're, we're somewhere on that. Um, I guess we'll kind of go. We'll start uh, at the bottom like we did last time. I will throw in a little, a little nugget. 
uh, team tits up to 111 points, um, Ooh. which is which is interesting. If for no other reason than in two of the three group stage games, he got eight or less. Um, but at this point, he has a Spanish defender who does not play every game. He has two English players which do not play, and he has his his he actually is the bigger Ukrainian fan than possibly even you are, uh, where he has four Ukrainians. But I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Andy Andy sing in eighth place. 128 points. He has one, two, three, five players left. Uh, but Chilwell, I don't think, has even gotten into uniform. Um, right. At this now point. we'll probably play, though, right? You think? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, trying to guess what one uh, Gareth Southgate is going to do has been an exercise in futility because I think across the board, <laughs> we all think that X, Y, and Z should be playing, and that's not what's happening, but. Um, right, and then he's got a couple Belgian defenders. Yeah. He, I thought he was really hard done by with the Denayer pick. I, I might not have picked him that early, but I saw what he was doing. That was his back. No, he was supposed pick. to start. And yeah, you, yeah, you get you get the Belgian, you know, starting center backs, and then Denayer's like, yeah, yeah. we're talking. You know, it is what it is, but yeah, it's brutal. Um, he also has uh, Mason Mount, who you would think will return to the starting lineup, but again, how like he like you really have to be that is a new level of unlucky. To literally have a guy miss a couple games because uh, somebody on another team on another country got COVID and you happen to hug him too long. Like, which is, I, I there's something to be said about COVID protocols in general, but I mean, that's, that's pretty unlucky right there. Yeah. And also, I mean, and I think even Southgate called it out too, uh, which was that, uh, why didn't any of the Scottish guys have to quarantine, right? Wasn't it like only English guys because of yeah, that? Yeah. So, like, so, how so, uh, that? So apparently the story was is that the the Scotland locker rooms were literally like literally every player was in like almost their own room kind of so that even in the locker room they were not even close to each other. Uh, whereas mm. I guess that Mount and Chilwell were speaking to him at Gilmore after the game like on the field and in the tunnel, so they were like standing next to each other. I mean I don't gotcha. think that I I, I, like, I don't think that justifies any of it, but um, but still like, isn't that just a, a total like. It's either a mindfucker, like totally expected, obviously. And and I, I texted it on the Golden Ball thread. I was like, w- when I first heard about the COVID protocols, I was like, you can't imagine that both of these guys in this super rare occurrence are both on the same Golden Balls team, and of course no, they are. Okay. Like the, the the luck, the bad luck on that. Oh, no, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty poor. And again, I don't see how talking to a guy after the game is any different than bodying up to want a corner kick, but I guess that's not long enough contact or whatever. Mm. So, mm. Uh, but yeah, either way, unlucky there. Um, obviously he will be rooting for England to continue on to get him points as well as Belgium to try and scra- scrap his way out of the cellar. But to do that, he will have to make up 29 points on Matt, who absolutely got annihilated with Germany's loss. Of course, he was big into that. Mm. Uh, Draglin has five guys left. One is a defender from Spain, Llorente, who has been benched. Uh, don't know if he will return to the lineup, though, with Aspilicueta sco- scoring a goal the other day. I would doubt it. Uh, Mela has been pretty good. Uh, Ricardo Rodriguez, who I think Dragon put so eloquently, went from about 17 to negative six in about 35 seconds. <laughs> uh, but is a starter, will play. Um, and then he has Suchek from the Czech Republic and Wind from Denmark, who, again, is not good on the field. So Dragolin, I guess, suppose will be hoping for Denmark uh, to continue playing well, Switzerland to score one more upset, just to try and get as many points as he can, uh, and hope that that is enough to 
to hold off Andy, but I think given that the scores right now, we can safely say that unfortunately these are the two uh, that will be finishing seventh yeah. and eighth in some order. Well, as Drag said, to fulfill his quadrennial promise mm-hmm. of a seventh place finish, I think. Right. <laughs> and and he, he was hard done by a couple of times. Like, no, again, right. he, he took his Germany gambit and, you know, if it had worked out, he's probably finishing, you know, high mid table type of thing or whatever. But, but yeah, some of the uh, guys that got left out and some of the, this, you know, a couple of things here and there, he got right. hard done by. And yeah. And so again, and, and yeah, because I, I think that you look at his roster, it doesn't look like he made any major errors. Like there's nothing there that just screams out like, what were you thinking? I mean, you can quibble, but maybe you take someone early or late or whatever, but it's not like the roster's not bad. Again, he needed Jeremy to do well. Uh, we can definitely have our opinions on what we thought about Jeremy before the tournament, but, you know, it, look, they got to the round of 16, finished second in their group, had a decent shot at getting the quarters, and, of course, if they had, who knows? So, uh, as you said, hard done by, uh, unfortunate, but that's, you know, someone has to eat that one, right? Duke, yeah, Cancello out before the beginning of the tournament. Oh, that, that'll go down as an incident of calamity. A, and, and by the way, to, to all of our huge uh, podcasting uh, fan base, <laughs> there will uh, be. We, we, yes, there will be a, a an incidence of calamity recap at the end of the tournament. It'll be really interesting to see. And, 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 and just because you and because you just mentioned that, I will say that you know we we we've obviously talked about the the idea of the uh, the explicit kind of number-based look versus like the what just happened. And, it, you know, it's interesting now that we actually, this is the first time we were going through really one of these tournaments in real time thinking about it. And like, I don't know how many points of calamity, like again, two of your players getting like COVID fucking bedded because of another team's player is like mathematically. But I mean, that's just like the absurdity. Like I feel like there needs to be an absurdity multiplier uh, to that one almost <laughs> okay. because it's like, it's just so, you know what I mean? There's like, it's like, all right, a guy got hurt for two games. That's pretty bad. It's like your fourth round pick or whatever. But then it's like, no, no, he didn't get hurt. He missed two games because X, Y, Z. And you're just like, oh my God, like. And then you can say the same thing for, uh, you know, Dragon, of course, this is a standard injury, not a COVID or anything. But as you said, a, a relatively high draft pick getting absolutely, uh, you know, just sent home for COVID before the before the tournaments even starts. And that kind of puts you on a back burner there. Yeah, we, we, we can add like a little, you know, extra bonus subcategory, whatever you want to call it for, for absurd things. That's a great point, Jack. But yeah. So we, we have Jordan sitting in sixth place, uh, kind of in his own little world right now with 202 points. Uh, again, 45 up on anybody else, but 20, what, 28 down on anybody else. So kind of yeah, is, is Jordan world. like in, in the spirit of the Tour de France, is, is he like the guy that's you know, like kind of had a, a bike issue, you know, so he's falling behind the Peloton, but he's like not last place. You know, he's just in that weird spot where he's trying to catch up to the Peloton right now. Yeah. I mean, he's been, he's been fairly comfortable. I feel like in the last little while, he's just kind of saying, yeah. he knows he's not going to win, <laughs> but he knows he's not going to really come in last. He's, you know, he's still kind of rooting for his Denmark guys because, you know, he kind of went in on them. So he's kind of enjoying that whole thing. Uh, he has, I think, five of them on his roster, which is, again, fair or four. Well, so, yeah, the goalkeepers, yeah. uh, Christensen, Kajer, Delaney, and, yeah. and Paulson. And I'll tell you what, yeah. man, if, if they actually get a couple of, like, clean sheet wins in a row here, like, Jordan's actually not looking too bad because of that. No, I, I don't know that there's enough to get all the way up uh, just because, you know, again, there's enough other teams playing, et cetera, et cetera, and people recruit points. But you're absolutely right. And, again, throwing a couple Belgian guys in there that could get a couple points. You know, look, Mukaku could, what, you know, could score, have a brace or something like that, right? And, and of course, you know, that's another 15, 20 points. And, you know, he has, what, he has uh, Carrasco, who I and think Carrasco will be back will starting. Yeah, he'll play uh, in the next game. So, yeah, that, there's some points there. Obviously, the North Macedonian gambit did not go as planned. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and I will say, to, to, in his defense, to not make a 
well, good news, bad news, right? He barely played any of them, which on the one hand, you could say, well, if you weren't going to play any of them, like, why? Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, at least he didn't go down with the ship completely, like, if that makes any sense. you know? Like, yeah, didn't... I'm with you, yeah. So, but Denmark, again, pretty good, has a decent chance to have a semifinal goalie after all this. Um, he also has had a couple, you know, injury situations, you know, Perisic for Croatia with the COVID. And, you know, you, you, not saying that Croatia would have won, but God, Perisic in that 5-3 Spain game, like, he would have been good. He could have been good for a couple goals, given how Spain decided to defend near the end of that game. So, um, and then of course, Paulson as well, who has scored a couple goals in this tournament, has also missed a game, though I believe he should be back for the quarters. But Jordan, as I said, just kind of sitting right there, just not really a threat to just in open water, just kind of chilling. Yeah, and, and and also I'm looking I'm looking at his lineup right now as well. Uh, you know, he had Kempembe for France. Didn't start him in the first game. Like, I didn't start my Lucas Hernandez. And that was actually when they got their points. Right. And, then the, next, right. and then the next three games, it was like 0-1, negative 1. The, the French back line will be a really interesting uh, case study in the future. Well, I mean, the funny part is I think, and I think when I was looking at it, I think the four, uh, you know, the four starters from day one, it was like they got like, it was like 9, 7, 7, and 6 or something like, or 9, 9, 9, and 7. Or, you know, it was like they all was like, well, at least, you know, when you're beating yourself up trying to figure out which French defender was the best one to take, literally you couldn't screw it up because they all just did the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's a weird one. Uh, like I said, we'll do a case study on that in the future. But yeah, good uh, on forgetting Lukaku. I, I was ruining that for a while versus the Benzema pick. Benzema kind of came good eventually. But, right. yeah, I think Lukaku will score a few more right. and get some um, goals. And so fifth place is myself at 230 points. Yesterday was a dark, dark day for me, uh, you know, I, because it was, Sunday was a great day uh, for myself. I, you know, I had the one Belgian goal in there. You know, everything was going well. Uh, even the Spain-France day, you know, was okay. Like, even though I lost a lot of guys, I got a lot of points. I really needed Sweden to beat Ukraine. Obviously, that did not happen. I do have, let's see, three, seven. I think I have 11 guys left, no goalie. So I think I can start 10. A lot of guys who either aren't starting or really are not. I don't know. They're just, they're not, my team's not like, they're good players that just aren't good in this tournament, I guess. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Go, go, going into, even yesterday, Jared, going into yesterday, I would have preferred to be you rather than anyone else from a Golden Balls perspective. I, I thought you had great distribution and, and the best potential uh, for points. Yeah, the Sweden hurt you. Um, I, like, I was kind of salty, you know, uh, about Sweden. I wanted my Forsberg to just keep going off or whatever. But then I realized actually it's probably net positive if Jared's a contender against me or whatever. But yeah, I mean, just uh, I'm looking at your players. You do have to hope Alba starts. Um, Alder Vireld, uh, obviously, uh, I, I think we'll start and you'll have Laporte. Um, right. That's three defenders. Then you get Barella, Thorgan, and Koke. Again, three other starters. Uh, Foden probably won't. Insigne, yeah. yes. And then, yeah, Dries will fill in. So I think y- you still have a good critical mass of players who can potentially get points. I think the problem is that eight of them play each other. I think is the probably the biggest problem I have there. Yeah, but it's it's <laughs> the it's the old like, are, are you mad because it's automatic loss of players, or are you happy because it's a guarantee that some players um, move on? You know, I, I would. I, I think I would be happy if not for England playing Ukraine. I think if England were either, you know, or whoever that England-Germany winner was going to be, I think I would feel better if they were in a more difficult part of the draw. Because, you know, it's like, if you're going to lose, if, if, I'm, if I'm only going to have, like, say, six guys left after the quarterfinals, that's fine, assuming. 
Uh oh, Jared, I'm losing you. Oh boy. How are Hello? you there? I am there. Sorry, I, my phone just cut out for a reason. Yeah, no, yeah, no worries. <laughs> um, no, so anyway, I'd feel better if Ukraine wasn't um, playing somebody, you know, or if England, I'm sorry, wasn't playing somebody better. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I'll, I'll finish okay. I'll be, you know, I don't think I'm going to win, but, I, you know, top three finish, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'll leave me on that one. Okay. Uh, right ahead of me is you at 237 points. Uh, you also have a sizable contingent left. I'm counting about, what, about 10 or 11 guys yourself. You have goalie. Uh, you do have Bastoni, who, again, probably not going to start. Um, James for England, probably not. But I guess he has gotten a start, so I guess it's not impossible. Spinozola, who has been uh, probably maybe Italy's best player in this tournament. Uh, Pau Torres, who I don't know. Came in, got an assist last game. Maybe he'll get back in. The well, I, Jared, I'm just going to start starting Pa Torres because even if he doesn't <laughs> start for Spain, he gets like an assist or like a really close to assist every single time anyway. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, uh, Trippier has been getting a couple starts and Voss. A lot of defenders, of course. Uh, really, actually too many of them um, for this stage in the game, bizarrely enough. Uh, you got your good solid midfield of Mounier, P- Pedri, and uh, Tiago. Wow. I, can we, let's talk about Tiago for a second. Sure. Why is he not playing? So it's a great question, Jared. And I, I do hearken back to, to actual draft day when I did take Pedri in what, whatever it was, like 18th round, 19th round. And you were like, who do you think he's going to start, start over? over? Yeah. And I was like, I mean, I think he'll start. But, but we made that trade and that solidified my 100% starter. And apparently I didn't need to do that because Diago doesn't fucking play mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand. I like. I, he's so good. Um, there were times earlier in this tournament, specifically when Spain really could have used that kind of force in the midfield and just didn't even like against Poland. Like he just, he never even got off the bench. And I just, I don't understand. Like, and, and against teams that aren't going to attack against them, like right. you don't need. Like, forget about the Rodri versus Busquets argument. You don't need that holding midfielder against teams that are not going to attack you like that. So, like, right. why wouldn't you just put in Tiago, Pedri, and Koke? That midfield three is fucking unreal, right? But, yeah, he just – he can't – he can barely see a minute. It's unbelievable. And, like – and, you know, every preview I read about Spain pretty much said, wait, there's no reason they didn't just go with Pedri, Tiago, and Koke and just, like, run it. Yeah. Like, and just, like, but, like, I didn't – and I didn't necessarily think they would do that, but, like, at the same time, I was like, just let them like let these three guys be who they are, and and you're better than the as you said, you're better than the other team, and you have decent defenders if you need to. And but anyway, and maybe was, maybe you get caught out on one that like Rodri would have stopped or whatever, you know, a counterattack that he would have broken up or whatever. But like the net positive there with those three players, and uh, yeah, it's that's yeah. a weird one. That's an Enrique decision. Right. I don't so know. Obvi- so obviously, your focus is on uh, Italy. Uh, going as far as they probably in Italy, Spain final, I guess is what you would say is probably your preferred, uh, your preferred path forward. I would say, yeah. I mean, I'm obviously looking for England to lose. Um, yes. I want, uh, if I'm competing against you and, and Jeff as well, I think my Italians are better than your Italians and your Belgians are better than my Belgians, obviously. Right. So yeah, I'm going to go Italy on that one. And yeah, if Spain, go- the only problem with like cheering for Spain is that Manny also has like, you know, three out of four uh, players 
that 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 could uh, be an issue. And obviously, he's fifty, sixty points ahead or whatever. That's the only problem with that. Yeah, and yeah, as you said, uh, you have to hope that it's the either that it's the bench. Go- well, I guess Manny's going to be able to start most of them now. But really, a big we're we're turning into big Sarabia fans pretty much in the next. Uh, yes, Moreno yes, fans sir. In the next couple games. <laughs> All right, and so, I have to hope Chiesa starts as well. I will say, leave it at that. Right. And uh, so we have Gord sitting in third place with 242. He took a uh, little chunk out of his, you know, uh, he has some Dutch guys that got hit a little bit, got some Portuguese guys that took a hit a little bit. Only has eight guys left, but um, some decent ones. And risk really is going to come down to are De Bruyne and Hazard going to play, if not in the quarters, if they can get through that. Are they going to return past that? Because if Belgium loses, obviously he's done either way. But the question would be, uh, are either of these two guys going to see the field again in this tournament? Yeah, from the reports I've seen, uh, they're not. I would say, uh, I, mean, I would agree with you. Yeah, Martinez has said as much, like, they'll be available for the next phase, which I don't know if there's, like, a translation error there or not. But uh, they're not playing in the next game, as far as I know. And I think Gord's kind of run his race. I don't want to, like, jinx it or whatever, but I think he's pretty much in the clubhouse uh, with about 250, 260 points. Now that says, well, I mean, if Belgium wins the tournament, it'll be more than that. But again, with the other people having a lot of, some Belgian guys as well, is he going to be able to just sustain it enough just with essentially the goalie at this point? Because again, he has, he has you know, five head Maguire. He has Vermeulen, <laughs> who I don't think is, I, I, you know what, I shouldn't even say that because I said that last podcast. <laughs> and probably starting uh, but I don't think Vermeulen should start. So let's say should start. Um, De Bruyne injured. Tielemans is fine. Batshuayi doesn't get off. You know, certainly it doesn't play. I mean, he'll start him now, but and maybe he'll get lucky off the bench. But and then Grealish, I don't know if he'll start or not. Though I guess he certainly made a uh, a case to. And then again, Hazard is hurt. So you know, the Belgium goalies could I guess get him enough to keep it interesting. But again, he doesn't have anything behind it. And so unless he's going to throw out another a bunch of you know five save shutouts like he did against Portugal. Uh, you know, as you said, I think that there's not enough points there because, again, other people have Belgium as well. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a, a tough climb for Gord. I think he, uh, in in as many words, kind of conceded by saying that some, even though he got the past couple of winners wrong, Jared, <laughs> for some reason, he thought you've won your. Yeah, I don't know where. Uh, but, but yeah, he's, I think he's pretty much conceded. He sees the writing on the wall. Uh, good, good on Gord. He, he had another, like, you know, just weird draft that I think everyone counted him out. And here he is, like, in, in the mix in the end for some reason. But, but good on you, Gord. Uh, but, yeah, I, th- I think this, his race is run. Not, nonetheless, he's only second in his family, uh, three points ahead of him currently. <laughs> and second is Jeff with 245. However, he took the one-two Dutch-German punch to the gut. Uh, Jeff is currently sitting with, I believe, I count nine players left, one of whom is uh, recently out of an ICU unit. Uh, So let's say eight players left for that sake of discussion. Uh, Big Italy defense and midfield. Yeah. Uh, And, of course, that's about it. He still is going to throw Brathwaite back out there, who scored a goal finally, but, you know, whatever. Still has Harry Kane. Um, No, but again, like no midfield. Literally, uh, or he has the Italian midfielders, but really, you know, Erickson gone, uh, Kyle Walker still in there as well. So, again, he, their points are there. But the problem is, is that if England keeps winning, which is half his points, of course, that is going to lead into what we're going to talk about in the 10. That said, if Italy goes on a three shutout streak, Jeff can win. Yeah, I, I wouldn't count Jeff out at all. I, I think he's, I don't know if he's reverse Serbian Jew double bluff jinxing himself, but, um, but yeah, he's still got a decent core. Uh, I know, like, 
uh, if if one thing happens, like he won't win, but there, if the if another thing happens, he will. Like he has a path. Right. He has he has actually a pretty decent path. So again, again, Italy, Italy, Benucci, Cialini, Locatelli, Verratti, and, and, and obviously Locatelli and Verratti seem to be playing the same spot. But that's four potential clean sheets at a time. I mean, that would be, you know, that's that's twenty five points per right there, regardless of everything else. So if they can get some shutouts, then. Um, you know, he's obviously, as you said, still in the mix. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the end of days itself. 284 points. 12 players left, though. Six of them are forwards. England guys up, down, and sideways as they continue not to give up a goal. Manny, England. Luke Shaw, John Stones. Declan Rice. Marcus Rashford and Raheem Sterling all from England. Jordan Shakiri. I should also say is Tyrone Mings as well, but I think that race is run. Yep. J- Jordan Shakiri, who somehow is still playing soccer in this tournament, and his Spanish front triumvirate, of which he will start too. And Spain has a very winnable quarterfinal, and so does England. So tell me why Manny's not going to win. Yeah, so that's a hard question to answer because I, I, like, I think he is going to win. Uh, and I agree with you. It's probably end of days because uh, he'll be the holder of, of AFCON and Euro at the same time. Um, so it's almost like, uh, yeah, are we in the twilight zone right now? But, but yeah, his, he has 100% the best path uh, to it. England are uh, the favorites. He has the most English um, and yeah, he can, and, and he actually wins no matter what in the Swiss versus Spain game, because, you know, he's got what, you know, two or three guys or whatever. Um, but even if, even if the Spanish lose, he's still got Shakiri, who like, for some reason is just generating so many points for him. And then he plays another game and, and yeah, I don't know. I, Manny definitely has the strongest path. I will not give him the automatic win right now. I wouldn't even put him at like a prohibitive favorite. Uh, but, but he is. He's strong, man. He's looking really strong right now. Uh, and who would have thunk it? <laughs> you we're all sitting there, like on draft day, we're looking at each other in 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 in, in Drax's living room, and the like the guy who hates England more than anything the guy in the who world. hates England is is just drafting all the English. It's incredible. Yeah, uh, God, that's gonna be the, that's gonna be the that's gonna be the worst podcast I ever record. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So that is where we are. Obviously, uh, all subject to change. Any game can, you know, right? Like, well, I was going to say if England lost like 4 nothing, but we realized that actually that can't happen. Um, but, hey, look, if England and Spain lose, even though we would have Shakiri, of course, that would pretty much kill his entire team. And he would probably get caught off by, by whoever Italian or Belgian, uh, you know, team would run in there. So, again, it's not, um, it's not a certainty. But Manny is, I, I just, I, I don't even, he's up by 40 points. I don't. Yeah, I was yeah. trying to like I was trying to do the mental gymnastics to try and figure out how it was that like one of us could contend with him, and it's just it's really hard to do. I, I, I like I would need to be Simone Biles against uh, like a bunch of like kindergartners to yeah, be able I to just, do those gymnastics. Like I, I, I just think he's gonna win. He's gonna win. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> All right, before we talk about Copa, I do want to mention the second Euro competition, which is being run, and I just think it's super interesting just because there are of the six people. Four of the six people are within nine points of the lead right now. And so while we might have a runaway with Manny right now, we have an uber-competitive second tournament. Uh, Ryan is currently in the lead by two points, thanks to, I believe, Harry Kane and some other English guys as well. 
Um, but I just want to say that it's pretty cool in a tournament to be in the quarterfinals and literally have four people within 10 points. I think oh, that's... my word. Yeah, so I've just pulled up the spreadsheet, Jared. And, <laughs> and like I was telling amazing. you off, off yeah. camera, like, you know, this one slipped through the cracks. You know, I'm starting guys ahead of time, whatever. Uh, but, yeah, Brian 228, Jared 226, Kayla 225, and me 219. Holy shit. I mean, and Josh isn't off it at 204. Adam's still with 183. This is incredible. That is pretty, it's pretty decent. Uh, you know, and, and I've been following it and there's been, you know, uh, a decent amount of jumps. I think actually there was a period of time where you and Kayla switched first place every day for like a week. Like legitimately, <laughs> like, it was like literally you're just back and forth. Like, you know, one team plays and then you jump ahead by a little bit then she jumps ahead and I got in there for a couple of days. And I think uh, Brian's been in there now, obviously a couple of days and, and so on and so forth. So uh, super interesting down the stretch. Um, and again, you know, there's a lot to play for there. I did want to throw that out there because obviously those are still people trying to do their best. And I think it's super competitive and it obviously makes it super fun. No, it really is. And I, I will make one self-deprecating comment here about my precipitous decline. Yes. Oh my word. Look at this round by round for me. My first round, I had a hundred. Then I had 53, like a hundred. That's insane for a first round. 53 in the second round and i think i was pretty far ahead in the lead right after group yeah. stage two and at that point i think i think that's actually when i tuned out because i was like oh yeah i'll just coast to victory here and then group stage three 43 round of 16 23 <laughs> so it's clearly trending in the wrong direction for me yeah and i will say that uh i had the best round of the, uh, the knockout round uh but i lost a lot of guys as well so again that's that's going to be I, there might not be any drama on the last day of Euros in, in, uh, for the Mennonites, but there might still very much be some drama going on otherwise. I did want to throw that in there before we move to South America, where, again, we have a similar level of zaniness going on. Uh, the first thing I want to say before we even talk about anybody's team is that we had a five-group stage, uh, five rounds of group stage, right? So, in theory, that means you could have 55 guys play versus the Euros, where we've only had four um, you know, four. And the, the top Copa score is 205. And again, Jordan has, I believe, about the same, right? Jordan has 202, and he's in sixth place. So the top guy in Copa with an extra round of games has three more points than the sixth place games in the Euro, because this is freaking impossible. Yeah, this is, uh, I, I think I caught a little bit of this on um, your and, and Jeff's podcast. This might be the most insane one that we've done. It's, it's, I mean, it, it should level out a little bit now because at least there are no buys anymore, but the whole bye week thing uh, yeah. threw it into a little bit of a thing. 10-team tournament, uh, the COVID stuff, uh, teams making what seem to be very irrational decisions um, with lineup choices and the like. Um, Jeff is in the lead with 205. He has this player named Lionel something that has gotten him 56 points, which is pretty much the entirety of his lead. Um, mate, that guy is apparently pretty good at soccer. Um, but again, beyond that, we have Stro. You're actually sitting in second with 176. I'm in third, 173. Jordan in fourth, 167. Josh in fifth, 166. Kayla in sixth at 160. Renato in seventh at 158. Again, the, the bottom six separated by 18 points uh, going into this knockout round. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> like, this is wild. It is pretty close. Renato <laughs> is in the last, but has a lot of Brazilians that could you know do him some work. Obviously, Brazil, the heavy favorite. But again, like, I just, I don't understand what some of these teams are doing. Like, Cavani has started, like, four games. Like, he's old. And, like, they didn't need, they're not playing for much. And, like, I just, it doesn't, 
I'm not really sure what these teams are doing. And you have to imagine at some point, one of these teams is just literally going to fall apart at least. Yeah. You have no idea, especially, uh, and again, something that you and, and Jeff addressed in your last podcast that they go into literally every single challenge as if their life depends on it. It could be like the 20th minute in a nil-nil game that actually doesn't really have much implication like on the group standings, but they're, they're, they're like ch- challenging for these balls as if like their, their families are being held hostage. It's like, it's truly really incredible to me. It's, it is entertaining in a way. I still prefer like European football, but like it is a nice like change of pace to watch these insane South Americans just like fling themselves around the pitch. Absolutely. And so the matchups quickly, uh, again, by the way, this is our last real two full days of amazing, you know, amazing soccer because the quarterfinals for the Copa are also on Friday and Saturday. So you will get two straight days of four games, just one after the other. Uh, very little downtime in between if you're into that kind of thing. Oh, I, I already told Brooke she won't see for me for 48 hours. Yeah, like Friday so, and Saturday is just literally all fucking day. <laughs> right. So we got the first game is, uh, you know, in a weird way, the, I don't want to say the most surprising, but, uh, you know, in, an, in a 10-team tournament where eight teams make the quarters and, the, you know, whatever, we have Peru facing Paraguay. And this is happening because Peru actually finished ahead of Colombia in second in Group B. And I think that would probably be the reverse of what you might have expected. So now this kind of throws off. And then Paraguay, who probably was – probably slated or favored to finish fourth in their group actually finished third um, ahead of Chile. So I think that you would, you might've thought you were going to see something like a Colombia, Peru, or I'm sorry, a, uh, like a Uruguay, Peru and a Colombia, Chile, you know, that kind of thing. We get Paraguay and Peru and two teams that, you know, obviously not the, uh, not the most, the sexiest teams in South America, but Peru was in the final, uh, you know, two years ago against Brazil. And now they have a very winnable quarterfinal. But, but also, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, Peru have been struggling in World Cup oh, qualifying. They're dead right? last. They're dead, dead last in World Cup right? qualifying, I believe. So yeah. everyone really counted them out. I mean, I get it. Venezuela, Bolivia, probably the two worst teams or whatever. But no one thought Peru would do anything in this tournament. No, and, and, they're, and they had the first bye, and then they played Brazil first and lost 4 nothing. And so yeah. now it's immediately <laughs> just like, all right, well, like, and to your point. But then they get that big win against uh, Colombia, 2-1 on the Yeri Mina own goal. They draw Ecuador. Uh, on a on a pretty crazy game, and then they beat Venezuela as they probably should because everybody pretty much beat you know or Venezuela didn't win a game I should say so but they find themselves in second and now they get instead of having to play a, a, a Brazil early or a Uruguay early, they get Peru and you know and that's not you know that's not a terrible thing for them and yeah, I'm not saying they're the favorite to get through uh, Paraguay at times has played some good good stuff as well I can say selfishly I have some Peruvians and no Paraguayans so I'm pretty thrilled with how this draw kind of turned itself up. Yeah, there you have it. Maybe I'll start Almarone this time. You probably should do that. Uh, <laughs> second game that night, uh, Brazil versus Chile. As I just referenced, Chile finishes fourth in the group, and this is their payment. And I didn't – I thought – when I saw Chile's roster, uh, and I know we, we joked about this when it came out, but I was like, how are they trying to run back, like, 2010? Like, I don't understand, like, why they in, – in, you know, seven years anyway, 2014, they've done – like, it's the same guys over and yeah. over and over again. Yeah. And and they have been without Sanchez, who I don't know if he'll be back for the knockouts or not. But, like, I didn't take any of their players. So I was just like, these guys are, like, dead. Like, I don't understand how. And then, of course, Vidal was supposed to be in the hospital, but then was magically playing 90 minutes every game. Um, <laughs> as Jeff. It just it doesn't. But, you know, the only reason yeah, we're for uh, Chile I'm is, of you, course. Jared. I, I didn't take a single Chilean. I just but, didn't. I was like, I'm out on Chile. <laughs> and, of course, what we should have known in the summer of its coming home, that the Chilean we all should have been taking was Ben Brereton. 
<laughs> that is incredible. Oh my god, his Wikipedia page is amazing. It's just like Chilean U15, Chilean U16, Chilean U8, and and then, or sorry, uh, England, 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 and, and, and then and then Chilean national team. And it's like, like what the like fuck? four games, like two goals. Like wait, what? Like, <laughs> um, and of all the players on Chile's roster, no, he has the second second most fantasy points behind Vargas. So uh, obviously undrafted. Uh, not expected, I don't think, obviously, to contribute much, but, hey, look, good on him, right? Yeah. All right, third uh, third quarter final. Uh, this would be on Saturday, early game. Another good one, Uruguay versus Colombia. Uh, I think these are two teams that haven't been as good as we would like them, you know, as we think they are, or as we think they typically are. Uruguay's results have been more normal, but from what I've seen of them, they haven't looked fantastic. And Colombia has really struggled. Yeah, if I'm a betting man on that one, it's for me. It's Uruguay. And I, uh, I have a couple of each, but I would, oh, I would very much like Colombia to win, selfishly yeah. for fantasy reasons. Finally, uh, we got Argentina and Ecuador. Uh, Argentina again hasn't looked great all the time, but um, you know they did draw their first game against Chile before winning their last three. But Messi's still doing his thing. Uh, the one player I do want to kind of just mention out of nowhere is uh, Papu Gomez, um, mm. who is, like, like by the way, he's one of those, like, FIFA Ultimate Team legends. But <laughs> here's, a dude, here's a dude who's, like, 33 years old, you know, playing now for Sevilla, just came from Atalanta, great, you know, club career, et cetera, et cetera. And, like, the guy never plays for Argentina. Like, literally before this tournament, I think he had four caps in his career, like, 33 years old. Oh. And this is the like right. This is the whole like if you're 33 right now as a tennis player, you never got to win anything because of who's ahead of you. And I get it, right? Never was going to play over Messi and Higuain and Aguero and Di Maria yeah. and all these guys. And now like at 33 with four caps, now he's just playing and scoring goals. Like like he was like he's been there the whole time and just is really like it's kind of a cool, uh, kind of a cool little thing to see. Uh, just because again, here's a guy you know long career, good in Europe, never really gotten a chance. And even if this is a weird. COVID Copa America, you know, they gave him a couple starts and he's scored a couple goals. So I just wanted to throw a little love his way because, you know, it's, I, I think as a human, you can kind of like support that kind of, uh, that kind of story. Yeah, no, I'm with you. But by the so, way, Jared, we, can, can I just make yeah. a quick point? Because I'm just pulling up the, uh, the Wikipedia page and it does say in the knockout stage, if a match is tied after 90 minutes in the quarters, semis and third place playoff, they skip over extra straight. time and go straight to penalties. But the final is 120? Yeah, yeah. final. Extra time cool. will be played. And if still tied, they go to a penalty shootout. I'm trying to remember. Did Copa do that two years ago? That's a good question. I feel I know certain tournaments have done that in the past. That's not just a COVID thing. Um, let's see. Did Copa? See, the problem is, is that it doesn't say. I, that's a good question. Um, yeah, no, that's that's probably for the best because these guys are all going to die. If, they <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> if we're being honest about it, but uh, no, that's um, that's probably as I said, it's probably for the best because do we really need to see that much more of it? No, no, and you just don't need to put these guys at risk. Like they're all just ugh. actually on a broader point before we you know try and move on on this. Do you think that we should? Um, by the way, the last Copa America was like that. Um, so that's at least they're consistent. Okay. Uh, do we think that really the extra time should be scrapped in a lot of these knockout things, maybe, in, or, or some change should be made? Because as for every like Spain 
um, Croatia, like couple goals scored. You see a lot more France Switzerland's where you have like 11 guys on the field who are like half of them can't move and nothing happens. Yeah. So like, I, I've just always gone back and forth, like with this, like, how do we decide a football game that is tied at the end of regulation? And I just don't like any of the options, Jared. I don't like any of them. I don't like extra time and then sh- a shootout. I don't like just going straight to a shootout because I just hate fucking shootouts. It's, it's a lottery. Um, I, you know, some people posit the idea of, you know, taking players off the field, go, both teams going down a man or whatever. But that doesn't replace the fact that the guys that are on there are still dead. And it's probably still a lottery anyway or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. In just such a low-scoring game, like, how do you determine the winner if it's tied? I I don't know. It's probably an unsolvable mystery. Like, you know, why does Manny win golden balls? Uh, We'll we'll just never know the answer. We have a better chance answering the penalty conundrum than we do of Manny winning golden balls, I promise you that. (laughs) All right, so last thing before I let you go. Uh, I know I did this with Jeff uh, as to who we thought would win the tournament at that time. Uh, I know I said France again, and I was immediately wrong, but um, what uh, from right now, quarterfinals, who do you have at this point winning the Euros? Hi, yeah, 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 yeah. Off the top of my head, you know what, dude? I'm gonna go Italy, actually. Who do you got? Hmm, not England. That's because I can't say the words. <laughs> I think, I, well, so I think Italy is going to beat Belgium. And that's a hell of a run. Belgium, Spain, and then possibly England to win the tournament. Um, I think Italy is the favorite, but I, because I, if I pick the favorite, they're definitely going to lose. I'm going to say, I'm going to say because in this upside down world where a person who doesn't deserve it is about to get the ultimate happiness, I'm going to say Spain wins the Euros. Wow. Okay. All right. And then, and, and, and then Man- Manny along with it, though, and Golden Balls. Yeah, yeah, Manny just gets the full-on, like, just utter orgasm of success. So, so basically, the, the, culmination, the culmination of his actual existence. <laughs> is this happening right now? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, and then real quick, real quick, is there any reason why you would pick anybody that is not Brazil to win Copa America, other than it's knockout football and shit happens? Uh, no, no, I just think Brazil is going to win. They're just on a yeah, different, um, different plane. Only- and not only that, uh, as we talked about before, the matchups, by the way, Argentina, Uruguay, and Colombia are all on the other half of the draw. So uh, yeah, they will not have to beat two of those teams to get through. They won't have to be one. Yeah, it's, it's impossible to pick against Brazil here. I would like to. Um, and, and the last, last question I will say, I will ask you is how much, uh, how much uh, early preliminary scouting have you done for the Gold Cup at this point? Oh, literally zero. How much have you done? <laughs> not, not. The, yeah. the, the official rosters come out tomorrow, and so I think at that point, I, I love the the sixty man preliminary roster because it can really let you sink your teeth into what could possibly happen with these rosters. Oh my god, yes, Jared. Like when I got the email from you originally, I was like, oh, cool. I want to take a look at the spreadsheets, and then like all these teams have like six thousand players on their roster. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is going on? And then also, like there are. Uh, like, we don't even know who all the teams are in the tournament yet until, like, a couple days before. This one's going to be, like, maybe just as farcical as Copa, I, I think, in a way. Uh, I, maybe. I, I mean, I think probably – the only thing I would say pushback on that would just be the teams that are going to be added are usually, of course, usually not teams that you would expect to go very far. 
Um, so I don't think in that sense, it's not like those teams coming in late is going to necessarily change much from a fantasy perspective. Mm-hmm. I think the bigger thing is like the U.S. isn't sending their A team. Uh, Mexico apparently is sending kind of like a B plus A minus. I think Canada's are apparently doing the same. Mm-hmm. So I think it might be a little crazier in the sense that um, I think, you know, I think Mexico will probably win, but I think you might see a couple teams do a little bit better because they, uh, they, they're trying a little bit more in terms of their roster. And of course the big wild card in this whole thing is how's Cutter going to do? Yeah, that's an, another great point. So were they, they were slotted to play in Copa, right? Yeah, but they had to do uh, World Cup qualifying, but them in Australia. So they like Asian World Cup qualifying went until like June 15th or something. So Cutter was actually planning on playing everything this summer, like doing both. Oh, were they really going to do both? Yeah. And then since they did not have, <laughs> since they did World Cup qualifying, they didn't do uh, Copa America. But obviously now that since this starts later, they are sending a, a roster. And based on what I can say, a roster full of names that are, will be familiar to those of us who did Asian Cup and uh, a couple years ago. A lot of those same guys you will see, so. Nice. I love it. I love All it. Right. The, uh, the summer of golden balls. Damn straight. So let's, uh, let's leave it at that. Uh, we will, I'm sure, be talking uh, either before the end or at the end of this tournament, certainly dealing with some incidents of calamity and gold cup as well. But I do appreciate uh, you giving me, wow, almost 90 minutes of golden balls goodness. So, Stro, I appreciate your time. Yep. Happy to do it, Jared. Thanks for having me. All right, that is all for this episode of the Golden Balls Podcast. Thanks, have a great night, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.